Welcome to Beggars at the Gate. We aim to bring the good news of Jesus Christ and his work from a Reformed Baptist perspective in a Utah context. My name is Darren Caldwell, and I'm one of the pastors at Covenant Grace Church in Syracuse, Utah. And my name is Ben Hike. I am the other pastor at Covenant Grace. And we are back in studio. Feels like normal. And we won't hopefully have any jets soaring no directly jets. overhead outside like we did last time. We don't know if the dog is going to do something that we don't expect him to, but the jets are not here. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Now, we were talking about something before, uh, before we recorded. And I wanted to bring this up. Oh, great. So we were talking a little bit about the, you know, Apple updates and you mm. know, the way they're ruining messages. Yep. They're doing something else that's really going to ruin messages for me. It, okay. They're going to implement technology that will make Android users appear as blue text nope. bubbles. I will no longer feel better than them. The whole point of <clears throat> yeah. having an Apple is to feel superior. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It, I, I can't deny, like, I have nothing to say. I, I like complaining about my right. Android friends. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you all know who listen. You know who you are. Absolutely. <laughs> and Absolutely. they do it with pride. <laughs> will you be able to like it and will it create uh -huh. a new message that no, says it, they liked it or it shows the emoji on it's it? It's supposed to show the emoji and do all the, mm -hmm. all the stuff they're sharing. Like, I don't, I don't know all the technical stuff behind it. I but. am very few steps away from moving to a Google Pix Google Pixel Pro because of the camera. For the camera, yeah. I, I'm I betting that our Android friends are also upset about this news. I don't think this makes anybody happy. No, they don't feel inferior. They do it with pride. A green right. message is a stamp of pride. Absolutely. They yeah. like messing up I think up they're our just as upset. Texts. Yeah. I, I think they're just as upset. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of group texts, Speaking what are we talking of, about today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we love segues. We're really good at them. Um, we sat down a couple weeks ago, and we actually planned ahead. Believe it or Shocking. not. Shocking. Believe it or not. Shocking. We love Darren doesn't and I. mean it's going to be good. No, it doesn't. We, no, it will yeah, be planned. It, it, it is planned. <laughs> Darren and I, uh, we like routine. We like the same types of things. So our liturgy every week is the same at Covenant Grace and Darren texted me this week. He wanted to insert a prayer where it's not normally. And so he asked my permission, knowing that both of us would have noticed and been shocked had like <laughs> something out of the ordinary, even if it's a prayer. Um, so we planned out the rest of the year. And if you attend Covenant Grace, you'll know this. If you don't, then just kind of an insight into our church life. Uh, we rent a building. We are thankful for this building. Um, but it's not conducive for having Sunday school or other classes, except for maybe a Sunday evening because of the additional setup and things like that. So we wanted to do something that we would maybe normally do during a Sunday school time and talk about things that you would talk about during Advent, like in a Sunday school classroom atmosphere, things like that. We, now, why wouldn't we do an Advent sermon series? That's a great question because we love expository preaching. No, I think it's because you're desperate to finish First Peter, I and am. I am desperate to finish Matthew. I at know this point. that that is true. <laughs> that is true. Um, I'm shoehorning my. You know, uh, I'm saying this in jest to anybody who might take me seriously. <laughs> I'm shoehorning my my Matthew sermon into a Christmas sermon. Yeah, yeah. It, it does happen to fit, but it, it, I'm yeah. not going to force it. And if I finish a week early, you will be very upset because it's supposed to be the Christmas. Exactly. Yeah, so I I'm going to have to change early. my plan. Yeah, exactly. You've got to take the next um, two Sundays. So, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily wrong to do a series outside of 
more of a topical series outside of like expository preaching. If you're preaching through a book, there's a lot of good reasons to do it. There's a lot of uh, bad things about topical preaching. Um, there's yeah, also that's your main diet. Good things. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that is why uh, we don't just create an Advent series um, during Christmas man-made holiday we love christmas it's great papists (laughs) i think we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks excellent i look forward to that um but i think it's important for a lot of contexts especially in utah asking the question why jesus came to earth why was it necessary what did it do for us why was why is this important what did he accomplish things like that so that's kind of the lead-in why jesus came um during this time when we celebrate Christmas, it's not just about gifts, of course, but let's answer the question why Jesus came. Yeah. I, and I think this is a question that we don't often ask. Um, I think we kind of just assume it, you know, we've been taught it, especially if you've grown up in the church. Yeah. Um, you know, we've just been taught that Jesus did come. So we don't ask the question a lot why Jesus came or we sure. might know like, Oh, Jesus came to save, but we just kind of assume like, well, he should have. Right. And I think we, we kind of have a bit of a man centeredness in our, well, of course Jesus came like, agreed. Look at me. Yeah. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, what a gem he found. Right. Right. And, you know, or, or in, uh, you know, in the world in general, I think that it's just kind of like, well, we believe that Jesus came or Christians believe that Jesus came. There's not really this sense of wonder. Yeah, I think anymore at the why, like you're saying that God came to earth. I think that was much more shocking to most of the world's, um, you know, theologies and religions and systems Mm -hmm. back then, um, even not too long ago, that would be a much more shocking thing to hear. God came to earth. Why? Right. Um, Now we just got kind of think of Greek mythology, right? A God becoming man, like forget it. Like right. that, that there's no understanding of what that would be. Even our, in our immediate context in Utah, yeah. like the idea that God became man is opposite to what our Mormon friends believe. They believe that what God is, we can become. So Jesus essentially was this great example that he became God and we can also, if we do X, Y, and Z. Um, right, it's more about our ramp up rather right. than Jesus's descent. Condescension, down. exactly, in yep. into uh, humanity. That's right. So, um, yeah. So, Darren, let let's walk through some reasons. Um, we've got some notes here, and so let's just walk through. I have and six answer points. The question. So buckle up. <clears throat> yeah, we have six one. points. I don't know that we're going to get to the last one because I don't know that we would a hundred percent agree, but that's for a different day. And that's for our GRN friends to wonder what we're talking about. And point number six, but, uh, let's see, you have three of them. So you go ahead with the first one. Yeah. So, you know, I brought up that, that question initially, like we have a very man centered view of why Jesus came. Jesus came for me. Right. And this is true, but, and we'll get to that, but Jesus came ultimately to glorify God. Yeah. Which this ties in with what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, that, that last soul of sola dea gloria. Jesus came, he says in John 17, 3, that I came to make you known, to glorify your name and to make you known. And so the aim of Jesus in coming and the, the eternal son of God, we'll talk about how Jesus took on flesh and 
what that means in our next episode. But Jesus took on flesh and came to earth in order to glorify the Father. And he did this in his humanity. He glorified God, made him known by taking on flesh so that we could actually see God in a way that we would not otherwise be able to, God being spirit. Um, He did it in his perfect obedience uh, as he perfectly obeyed the law that glorified God. We don't obey the law for ourselves. We we obey the law for, for God. And then he did this through his death and resurrection. He satisfied yeah. the um, the righteous requirements of the law and the righteous justice that we um, earned. Yeah. He, he magnifies God by taking the wrath we deserve. And then something we don't talk about enough as well is he did this in his ascension. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> there need to be more books on the accomplishment of what Jesus yeah. accomplishes in his ascension. You're right. Yeah, that's actually, that's part of the gospel. And he says this in John, like that one of the things that he does by going to the father, by ascending to heaven, he's showing that this is the only way to enter. Right. I have earned entrance into heaven. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way you can ascend that Jacob's ladder uh, that you know John talks about in the, the, Jesus talks about in the first chapter of John, that he is Jacob's ladder, he, the only way to and from heaven. Mm. And he ascended back to heaven. That glorifies God. That's right. Because God's glory is manifest and this is what satisfies me. Yeah. And in his ascension, he began, it, not like it wasn't true before, but began his reign that will be shown when he finally comes and everything is fulfilled and Satan is, you know, forever and ever thrown into the, the lake of fire and all those things. Like he, he, it, from a human standpoint with Jesus becoming man, um, started his reign in heaven, put his, his, uh, his enemies under his footstool has dominion over them again. Not that he didn't before, but that, that symbolism of going back to heaven. Well, in, in a specific way, in his humanity, that's right. he had that. That's he right. always had it as God. Yeah. But then he subjects everything in all creation under his feet at, in his own humanity, yeah. showing what was required all along yeah. and what Adam failed. And that's what we proclaim. When we proclaim the gospel, when we talk about, like in the Advent season, like if we're doing, you know, if you're doing Advent calendars or, mm-hmm. you know, family devotions or whatever, you know, perfect personal devotions through this Advent season, it's to make the glory of God known. That's the whole point of the gospel is that the glory, the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters mm-hmm. cover the seas. That's the, the what the church's aim is, is to share this gospel of the incarnation of God of the second person of the Trinity who came to take on our sin to make the father known so that he could reunite us to God Mm. and reconcile us to God. Like that, that's the heart of what Jesus did when he came, he came to glorify God. Right. Yeah. And, and I agree with you and it's, it's always a good reminder because we try to insert ourselves so often in the story, right? Why was the Bible written? Well, so that I would know what to do. Well, no, it's not. It's about God. And so it's a right. good reminder, you know, Jesus came to glorify God. Another reason that Jesus came was to be a merciful and faithful high priest. In the Old Testament, um, the foreshadowing of Jesus, what mm. one of the roles that he fulfilled, one of the offices that he fulfilled, prophet, priest, and king. 
he the the people of Israel knew about this priest as the representative of man to God but they always knew that there was something up in the Hebrews uh, the author of the book of Hebrews summed it up when he said Jesus was a great high priest that didn't need to make a sacrifice for his own sin mm. before he made a sacrifice for our sin for the sin yeah. of the people yeah. and so it was you know a, a faithful thing that Jesus perfectly perpetually and personally kept the entire law. Yeah. And then after his death on the cross, because of who he is in, in <laughs> talking about his ascension, he becomes the mediator, right? Yeah. F- further fulfilling, continuing to fulfill that role of the great high priest mediating between God and man. Yeah. And so, um, Jesus is our merciful and faithful high priest, uh, not only in the foreshadowing, but also in, as you mentioned it, God become man, Jesus now in his humanity, the book of Hebrews again says he can relate with us. He can identify with us. He is sympathetic to put it in a positive way that the Hebrews, uh, puts it more in a, in a statement of in the negative, but he can sympathize with us. Yeah. And so he is that merciful and faithful high priest. And we, we talk about that, that aspect a lot, even just in our personal conversation all the time, like how we might wonder, like, how is it that Jesus can sympathize with us? How can he be merciful? He was God. He couldn't sin. Yeah. And you know, we, we love the, the quote by C.S. Lewis in his uh, mere, book, Mere Christianity, where he talks about the person who you know, t- uh, pictures temptation as like wind, a wind mm-hmm. that blows against you. And it's when you lay down, when you give in, that you no longer feel the wind, that force of the wind and the temptation, which is what we always end up doing. Um, you know, and Lord willing, not as often, and we grow in this, but... <laughs> Um, we end up laying down because the, the force of that is too great. Jesus never did. And so when we wonder how can Jesus really know what it's like, what <laughs> I'm going through, well, it's because he, he endured the full force of that wind and that temptation without ever yielding to it. I remember, and so he knows how difficult it is yeah, for us. I remember it, it clicked. When you talk about that, it clicked for me. Matt Amati was preaching through uh, the, the gospel of Mark, I believe it was. And he said, Jesus was the most human of anybody who ever walked the earth. He is the most human, Mm. not like, oh yeah, but he was God. No, like he is fully man. And like you just said, you know, resisting temptation. That's what we were created in the beginning to do. What we're doing now is the result of the, the curse is the result of the rebellion on earth. Um, and so Jesus truly is our faithful high priest who is full of mercy. Um, and that is another reason why he came. Yep. And uh, another one that this is one we don't, I think, think about often enough in first John three, uh, Jesus says, I should have pulled this up before. Um, (laughs) so I could actually read it because I, I can butcher it. Uh, but I think it's just so great uh, to read it. In First John 3, talking about Jesus when he comes, 
um, talks about, you know, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Hmm. And he says, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him. And so Jesus came, took on flesh to fulfill Genesis 3.15. He would crush the head of the serpent. And the way he does that is not only through the cross and his resurrection, crushing Satan and his works and and the curse that, that he brought upon the world through his lying and deception, he then makes us new by bearing in us new seed, a new seed, new offspring. We are new creations in Christ that Jesus put an end to the works of the devil. All that Satan sought to do in Genesis and accomplished in deceiving Eve and leading Adam to sin, Jesus undoes. Yeah, we don't have to any longer be under the 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 um, covenant of works. Yeah. Right? He's the greater Adam. He's the second Adam, as I think Roman says. Um, we don't, we're no longer under the curse of Adam. We don't, sorry, we don't have to be right. Right. There, there is salvation. There is freedom in Christ. There is the new creation that he gives to us. Um, that the, that Jesus, the, the second Adam brings as he destroys those works of the devil. Yep. Um, one of our favorite songs growing up, right? Because I was, you didn't, you could not relate to this part of the story. <laughs> um, I could relate being a point guard on the basketball team, the wee little man, Zeke, Zacchaeus. <laughs> Another um, thing that Jesus accomplished in coming to earth was he came to seek and save the lost. Yeah. Um, the story from Luke 19, where Zacchaeus goes up in the tree, he sees Jesus coming by. He looks up into the tree, says, come down. And he says, I'm going to your house today, right? I'm going to spend time with you. And he saved him um, in that. Zacchaeus was one of the lost sheep of Israel. He had been born into the covenant people, but because of the idolatry that he had followed after and the unbelief in what um, God had said, he had turned to riches and not even worse than that. But in, in addition to that, he was despised by his own people, his own covenant people, because he had capitulated, he'd sold out to the Romans. Um, and so it just hated on all sides. And Jesus sought him out in that passage. Mm. He walked down that road. He could have gone down any road, but the sovereignty of God sent him down that road. Why? Because he knew Zacchaeus was there. He needed that. God was going to save him. There was no other salvation for Zacchaeus outside of that encounter with Jesus. Yeah. That's one of the, and, and I think most of the people listening to this probably have heard this, but it's so important to remember the being a tax collector was for the Jews about as horrible a profession as you could have. Absolutely. There's a reason why they were the, the worst of the worst were called prostitutes and tax collectors <laughs> because the, the tax collectors had sold essentially, they, they didn't sell their bodies. They, they sold prostituted their soul. themselves out. Yeah, exactly. They sold their soul to the, to the Romans. Yeah. They said, we're not trusting in God right. to save his people from oppressors. Right. We're going to in fact help the oppressors oppress the my yeah. my own people. That's right. And 
And when Jesus says that I came to seek and save the lost, he says that to one of the lowest Mm. beings in the nation. That's right. And one of the things that we, in our man-centeredness, we really like is that, oh, we think that Jesus came to save us because we were, we just needed a little help. Yeah. And we we need to identify with Zacchaeus. Right. You know, Jesus says in, in Luke, I think the chapter before, talks about the Pharisee and the tax collector. Mm. Again, the Pharisee says, look at all these good things that I've done. Uh, the and people I, listening I think to Jesus would God, agree. <laughs> right. Yep. I thank you, God, for all these things. I give, I tithe, I fast, I I obey the law. Yep. And I'm not like this tax collector right. over here, but the tax collector beats his breast, right. won't even look up to heaven, says, God, forgive me, yeah. a sinner. And one of those men went home justified. That's right. And it wasn't the tax collector in the story of Zacchaeus or in the parable that Jesus told that was seeking out God. God went looking yeah. for them. Same with yeah. Matthew, right? A tax collector who was one yep. of his disciples, identified, wrote a book of the Bible. Yeah. Jesus went looking for him. They were so at the end of their rope. They they didn't even think. Zacchaeus wasn't climbing the tree to seek out Jesus for salvation. He was climbing the tree because he was short and just wanted to see him. Right. Jesus came seeking for Zacchaeus. And so he came for us as well. The lost sheep of Israel and the lost sheep um, who are born in their trespasses and sins. So seeking and saving the lost. Uh, Connected to that is that Jesus came to fulfill the covenant of redemption. Yeah. And this is probably a covenant we're not nearly as familiar with. Um, Certainly not one that I was familiar with until a handful of years ago. And you might have heard, like seen statements by Jesus, especially in the book of John that sounded a little confusing, where Jesus says things like, I have done all that you sent me to do. I have fulfilled the the commands of my father. Mm. Um, you know, or and these this these statements about something that was determined in the past that then came to fruition with Christ when he took on flesh and lived and obeyed the law. And it's what we call um, the covenant of redemption is kind of a theological term, or yeah. you might have heard the the pactum salutis. <clears throat> oh, we've um, all heard of that. All, I mean, we were just that's waiting, so common. We were waiting for you to right. finally I mean, say yeah, it. Yeah, and I don't even need to translate it. No. We all know Latin. It's it's not a big deal. <laughs> totally. Uh, no, it means uh, the covenant of peace. Yeah. Which I won't get into the technical part. It's not actually a, a very accurate term, but it's sure. become known as that. Um. The covenant of redemption is that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, in their divine counsel. Now we're speaking in human terms. Right. It's not like the three persons of the Trinity got Sat together and had together. a conversation. Yeah, exactly. This is all part of an eternal decree that happened yeah. outside of time. But the 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 covenant was that the Father would send the Son, the Son would take on flesh, that he would bear the sin of humanity on the cross. He would obey the law. He would do all that the father had commanded him to do. And in so doing, he would receive, this is Isaiah 53, by doing the, by being a faithful servant, he would receive an offspring. He would receive a people. And so we, God's people are actually God, Jesus's promised inheritance that we are, are yeah. his, that he earned and obtained. Essentially, Jesus had his own covenant of works that he had to fulfill with the Father, and he did so, earning grace 
for us. The yeah. reason why we get to enter into a covenant of grace is because Jesus fulfilled the covenant of works That's right. for us. And so all of that was done in order that, that Jesus came to fulfill that covenant of redemption, mm-hmm. which is so amazing for us that this, we say that you've said it, I think just last Sunday, Jesus coming to earth wasn't plan B. Correct. This was plan A. Yep. Now how that reconciles with Absolutely. the free choices and, all the, and the human <laughs> mind. Yeah, it, it does reconcile. It you does. Know, I actually went to a whole conference on how it reconciles yes. and I probably can't explain anything <laughs> that I learned in that conference because it's still hard to understand. But the, that that is his, his plan was always to take on flesh, bear our sin and bring us back to him. That glorifies God and it's for our good. Yeah. And we get grace because of what Jesus yeah. did for us. And inside of that then... I think another one that we see of why Jesus came was because in his character, he is faithful. So he has to fulfill what he has promised. He promised it. He says in the new Testament from the foundations of the earth. So this covenant of redemption that was promised from the foundation of the earth, it Jesus isn't plan B. He had to follow through with sending Jesus Otherwise, he would not be faithful to fulfill his promise. Right. Jesus was a fulfillment of God's faithfulness to man. He cannot deny himself, so therefore he cannot lie. Right. He is faithful to fulfill the covenants that he has promised. And that's that's such a when you wonder <clears throat> how how do I know that God will take me to heaven? Hmm. How do I know that this trial, this sorrow, this heartache will actually turn out for good? Right. How do I know that this affliction will yield an eternal weight of glory? Why should I not lose heart? Yeah. Like the incarnation is the the fulfillment of God's promise. Jesus taking on flesh is proof to us that he will always keep Mm -hmm. his promises. That's right. Yeah. He is a faithful God. And has made promises about, as we think of the Christmas season, you know, where Jesus would be born, when he would be born. People could know they would look for this. They were excited. The wise men that the the kings that came looking for Jesus, you know, like they they somehow knew God led them to know when this was going to be. I mean, all these things that pointed to it reminds us that God is faithful and, and needed to fulfill what he had prophesied what he had promised was going to come true. So there's been a lot of things and these are only five of the things that we came up with. You're skipping six. (laughs) I'm skipping it. Skipping six. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't know, most of, most of these notes are notes that Darren puts together and I add little quips in there. Um, and the last one we did not talk about and I'd be interested off the air to talk with Darren, but, um, (laughs) so there are a lot more, there are books and books written. I have a book at home by Joel Beakey. Um, that has starting on December 1st through the 24th, 24 reasons why Jesus came. There's a number of them. We're not giving an exhaustive list, but if you do want more information or if you have any questions um, about anything else that we talked about on the podcast, uh, you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at Covenant Grace Utah or online at covenantgraceutah.org. Thanks for listening from beggars to beggars for the glory of God.